0: Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm convinced the only word you need to get into heaven is hallelujah. So it's great. It's the same word in every language except for American sign which is this but it's a word that says obviously praise God and, and what we want to be is a community that praises God and it's just wonderful to be here and uh, you know you, you prepare and you prepare and I got like 8 billion pages of notes and and uh, he told me to go for an hour and a half. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, um, and some of these were kind of interesting, you know. So, but uh, we figured all those out. I was going to have all those doing cartwheels. They could just do it for entertainment after lunch. What do you think? But we'll uh, toss that one. Okay. So, but it is great to be here. Um, and uh, Father Kevin Finnegan, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, as uh, was referenced. So, yeah, it was a great year. Uh, the playoffs, the World Series, was just tremendous. Um, had the privilege of going to one of the Cub games, the fifth game of the playoffs, uh, with my brother, who still lives in the Chicago area with his, uh, he's got family, his family still lives there too. And so it was wonderful to be at the playoffs. And uh, then the following week, my brother had three more tickets because that's what you get when you have season tickets and you don't have a pre-salary, and so he, uh, but he took his girlfriend to one and he took his son to one and my sister to one. So uh taking his brother and sister to two games. So this year for the first time in his fifty-five years, he gets Brother of the Year Award. So but uh it was pretty <laughs> exciting. But you know, uh and any Cub fans here? See? Of course. Any crowd. And uh but uh did you grow up in Chicago or are you just like by transplant? Western Burbs. Western Burbs, Aurora is where I kinda grew up. Batavia. So Batavia. Yeah, I used to go to Tavia had a late. Will you pray for the Bears? Please? Yeah. <laughs> Some things are. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, being a Cubs fan, the second the Cubs won, every Cubs fan thought of someone who didn't witness it. Whether it's my mother, my grandmother, my not my dad. Uh, there's something went wrong in his childhood, but um but like everyone like you just think about, it, so all this emotion, because uh for a hundred and eight years we've been waiting for something, and so I'll uh, we'll talk more about that later and uh, but it's just kind of exciting. Where are my notes here? Um, but I am grateful to be here, very grateful, thank you, and um, are there any angels here. Anyone an angel here? And we'll be clear, there are no angels at Kids Center, whatever that's called. There are no angels. I mean, there are angels here, but you can't see the angels. Uh, we have bodies, and that's pretty exciting. So I want us to, uh, God said something um, that, uh, in the Psalms, and then the writer of Hebrews repeats it. He says, there will be some people who won't enter into the rest of God the r-e-s-t and what we want to be are those people who enter into the rest of God that we can rest with him what eternity is is resting with God may he rest in peace what did God do on the seventh day he rested like resting Sunday is supposed to be like eternity for all eternity we get to rest Does it mean we just take naps I don't know we'll figure that all out but um but I want you to see this weekend as a bit of heaven and to do it as a human being because we're human beings. And God is so wonderful that he, what he wants to do is to, to whet our appetites, to create a longing in us so that what we really long for is heaven. What we really long for is heaven. What is heaven? It's where the people of God are assembled for all eternity in the presence of God, and we rest. And that's what we're going to do this weekend. And so, um, so this weekend is meant to be the holiest weekend of your life. Right? When I was in eighth grade. My teacher um, asked us, if you knew that you were going to die in one month, would you do anything differently? And there's a correct answer to that. If you knew you were going to die in one month, would you do anything differently in the next month? And what is the correct answer? No. Because I'm doing right now exactly what God wants me to do. Therefore, if I'm doing right now what God exactly wants me to do, that means that this moment is holy. And that means that when we're eating lunch, is holy. When you're doing um, that sled thing down the hill and you're screaming, that's holy. When you take care of your kids, that's holy. When you're holding your little kid, that's holy. When you're disciplining your kids, that's holy. It's supposed to be. When you, um, uh, When you're eating dinner and you're having fun tonight and you're sitting out by the little fire circle that nobody... We're going to see if anyone actually sits out there. Dan Moran was pointing out to me, like, why do they have cheers around this fire stick? Like, it's 35 below zero. Who's going to sit here? <laughs> but, uh, but if you do, that's holy. That, that what we're called to be is holy, and our holiness is lived out physically. And so that's why, you know, as we're singing those songs and we're here and we worship God and as we get up, it's all about how I live as I am, as I've been made by God at this moment and this moment is to be holy. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not holy. Once I gave a talk and they had my name misspelled, instead of having Finnegan, they had the letter S, Sin again. And in fact, it was like written on the big thing up there. I go, you got that right. All that being said, I want us to enter into this time It's a time to be holy. And really, that's what the next 50, 60, 80 years of your life is meant to be, right? So we'll do our best. And so we get to practice here. And that's why it's good to see one another. And so know that as we're going on this weekend, others might look at you and be inspired by you. Because that's what we're supposed to do, inspire each other towards holiness. So it's great. Um, So we want to rest, we want to do all that good stuff. Um appreciate that last song that we sang. Where's our music leader? He's eaten. Oh, there you are, way over there. Can't see in the light. But thank you. Um, not the song that you wrote, which was even better, but the song that was real simple about I know I am loved. Um, how did the, f- the line go? I am loved by God. I know this. Um, St. Paul, uh, it is said, by uh, John Chrysostom, one of the early church father, said, the greatest thing St. Paul knew, the greatest thing that St. Paul knew, now think about this, he wrote the epistles, he knew a heck of a lot, but the, the greatest thing he knew was that he was loved by God. He was loved by God. And I want to take a few minutes this morning as we gather here to talk about being loved by God. There's nothing more important that you or I could ever know than I am loved by God. It's not easy to believe that. Um, In fact, uh, we teach our children, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's nothing more important that your kids will ever learn from you is that they are loved by God. I mean, you have, they need to learn not to do this and all the other things, except they are supposed to do this, which um, when, I, when you were kids, you weren't supposed to do that, but now we're supposed to. But anyways, um, I knew all along that's the right thing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but to know that we are loved by God is such an incredible gift. And uh, to know that I am loved by God. And, uh, and we learn that by being loved by others. Some of us uh, learn that maybe a little deeper, and all of us kind of struggle with that. But from now to all eternity, because what is heaven? Heaven's being the presence of the one who simply loves you. Simply loves. That's why, uh, you know, friendship is so important. What is friendship? Friendship is being in the presence of someone who loves me, and even as that someone gets to know me more and more, still loves me. Pretty amazing. My record marriage is 80 years. Actually, one month short of 80 years, not mine. Uh, but I knew a couple, they were married one month short of 80 years when she passed away. And um, as she was, I was, there with the family as they're praying and, and he's holding onto her hand, the hand he had held for 80 years, and she takes her last breath. And a couple minutes later, withdraws the hand he held. But she knew When this one person is that she was loved. Now they had a few ups and downs, as we all do, that we are loved. And so I am loved by God. Oops. I sometimes trip, and if you get bored or need, there's like cookies over there too. I haven't taken any because I was about to, and someone said, well, these are for later. And so I I held (laughs) off. So. But they're there. They're there. Number of years ago, I worked at the Catholic Youth Center in downtown St. Paul, and um, just uh, maybe a little thing about myself before I do that. It's one of the things that's great to be here is that we're uh, we're a mixed group. We're from different places and peoples and things like that. Um, I grew up in a, a mixed family. Uh, my dad was Catholic. My mom was a Lutheran. They both had passed away, and uh, so if I preach a long time, that's the Lutheran side. And um, so, just so you know, be warned, I'm part Lutheran. In fact, um, at the Martin Luther exhibit, uh, I don't know if any of you got the chance to see that, but my favorite item there was the timer, the timepiece for the sermons. And there were four hour glasses, and when the fourth one got done, you were supposed to be done with your preaching, and each one was 15 minutes. yeah wouldn't go today, I don't think. But anyways. <laughs> but so I am part that. I'm also, uh, grew up in a mixed family because um, my mother, a Cub fan, my dad, a Sox fan. And they made it all work, you know. So, so somehow what's cool is that we're all here and for a weekend we're loving one another. What an ecumenical couple does is they say that we who are different, and that's the foundation of marriage, is two different people loving one another, And so our differences are witness to the world, uh, the truth of God's um, commandment. Uh, They will know you by how you love one another. And so I just want you to know that. So I'm aware of that. I'm also aware that while there's a lot of families, a lot of couples here, I'm aware that all of our families are different. And um, some of you perhaps are divorced or have a spouse who's passed away. Um, But we're all here together. And so it's just great to be here. So back to the Catholic Youth Center. Um, I, I worked there. I led retreats, did this and that, and all kinds of things. And I uh, was a young man, maybe 22 years old. I'm in this little chapel praying, and as I'm praying, um, I had been reading about a book that my dad gave me uh, when he went to college. So it was all yellowed, of course, and uh, from the 1940s. And it's about saints and holy people of old and got me inspired and there's a story of ignatius Loyola, who's a catholic saint and he had become a he was a knight and at least all of us guys can all imagine being knights and uh it's one of the dreams that we all have is to be a knight and to save the queen and and so i'm praying one day and and um and i felt god say to me uh kevin i want to knight you oh this is cool and I felt like, but seriously, like in a, in, a w- in a way that's almost audible, I don't know how to put it, but like, I just had this overwhelming sense that God wanted to knight me. And so <clears throat> I got down on my knees, which was easier back then, <laughs> before I got the false, the fake one in the left leg. But anyways, uh, it's easier today than it was a year ago. And I got down on my knees. I said, all right, Lord, you may knight me. And I remember even having my hands up in the arm, up in the air, and I said, God, knight me, God, knight me. And I could imagine this sword coming down and touching me on the shoulder, and I could hear God say, again, in almost an audible way, Kevin, I knight you. I said, yes, Lord, knight me me to do whatever you want. Kevin, I knight you to love me. I said, no, Lord, I want to do something exciting. (laughs) Kevin, I knight you to love me the only thing God really wants from me is really ultimately the only thing I want from God, and that is love, to be loved. God wants to love you, and God wants to love me, and God wants us to love one another. And while it sounds so simple, and we've heard it a million times, it is the ultimate truth, isn't it? To love, to be loved, to know I am loved, Again, the best thing you teach your children is that they are loved. <clears throat> and while all your kids are easy to love, there's always people like me, you know? And how my mother did it, I don't know. So, uh, um, and uh, my dad, I think, had it a little easier. But anyway, so, but to love and to be loved is so essential. <coughs> Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, there's a few passages in the Bible. That if we can reflect on for five minutes uninterrupted, they will change our lives. I love the word of God. I love the scriptures. Um, There's nothing, uh, it's it's this incredible gift God gives to us so that we might encounter him. Um, I hope you have multiple Bibles. Um, The duct tape is kind of fun. And uh, the first real Bible I got was from my aunt, Dor, when I got confirmed in uh, March of 19... 75 and uh, and so my dad always made sure we write our names in books and and the date and so uh, <coughs> so I had that Bible I received from my aunt and wrote aunt door um, and uncle Paul on it and uh, confirmation I misspelled the word confirmation I've never been good my motto if you can't spell it scribble it and if you can't pronounce it mumble it but anyways <laughs> um, and uh, so I had that, and I'd read it, and I would underline in it, because I thought, well, it's kind of fun to underline, <laughs> and that's what adults are supposed to do, I think. And so I would underline it, and then after a couple of years, I got a different Bible that was on the shelf. And then when I was in college, eventually, my aunt door would die. I pulled that Bible off the shelf to uh, look at it and just think about my aunt and kind of hold it. And I began looking at the things I had underlined. And it's almost like uh, if you were to analyze that, you would say, this is who Kevin Finnegan is. Read the underlying parts. Like God used his word to form me. Shouldn't surprise us. But there it was, I go like, this is who I've become. Like this is what resonates. This is how I've been shaped. So um, some of us uh, uh, read the Bible more frequently, some of us less frequently. All of us, let's make it a New Year's resolution frequently. The goal is not to read the whole thing. The goal is not to memorize. God's not going to ask you when you get to heaven, what is John 3.16? You don't have to worry. And, uh, but he will ask you, do you know the word? And so get to know the one who is the word. And he gives us himself in the word. And so, um, uh, so Romans chapter 8 is one of those passages which is just incredible. It's about this incredible love that God has for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Never been to a wedding? I've been to a few of them. In fact, uh, if any like your sons or daughters are getting married and they need a wedding plan, I could do it in five minutes. So, um, yeah, not the not the reception. That well, I could, but it'd just be white castle burgers. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> but uh, but at a wedding, oftentimes at a wedding they'll have a ring bear and a child kid or a flower kid and all that kind of stuff and they come in and like one out of every like 65 weddings it works like the movies the other 64 it's like you know walking around screaming dad picking the kid up and carrying the kid down um i've seen it all you know kids sitting in the middle of the floor and uh but no matter what happens everybody i know i was supposed to be looking at the bride so but they don't they look at the little the ring kid and the flower kid, and they, they, they're looking at this kid, and they're all like watching, and really what you notice is like they're all rooting like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And when the kid actually finally gets down there, it's like everyone wants to start clapping. I, I get, it doesn't happen because everyone's too polite, but, but really it's like, you did it, way to go. And sometimes even I've said like, way to go kid, you made it, and um, weren't, wasn't, too, wasn't too certain. But if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's what this passage is for. If God is for us, who can be who is against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all? Will He not also give us all things with us? I mean, what is it that you need? What is it that I need? God will give you everything. He's already given us His Son. Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or pearl of the sword, as written, for, all, for thy sake we are all being killed all the day long, We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, if we can really grab onto that, and to the depth that we really grab onto that, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to not only die for us, but to bring us for all eternity into the rest of Christ, the rest of God, the eternal Sabbath, the, the Lord's Day that never ends. That as we, be, as we grab onto that, as we believe that, and as we re- that, is a truth in our hearts then like the world really doesn't matter. We begin living our lives in a way that is not only transformative as people like to say but we live our lives with this incredible confidence this confidence that as we walk down the aisle you can do it and the one who's saying you can do it is not simply our parents but is God himself why does God say it? Because he dwells within us, surrounds us with his angels, surrounds us with the assembly of people who are bringing us along. It's an incredible gift. And so again, as we uh, take our prayer, I'm going to devote a whole session to prayer. But as we we pray day in and day out, one of the things that we want to know is that, that if nothing else happens in your prayer time, then knowing that God loves me. It's such a gift. It's a temptation in our world. And in fact, we, we live in a world, a culture that says, oh, you can't be loved. Or the only way you can be loved is if you're good in hockey. You know? It's like, I'm glad it's not true because I wouldn't have made it. You know? Or the only way you can love is if you get straight ace. The only way you can be loved is if you do this. Well, God loved us while we were still sinners. That's why Jesus was born in a manger. Remember Christmas two weeks ago? In the manger scenes? You don't have to put the manger scene away. It's still up in my house. It went up year round. To remind me that God was born into a manger. Into a stable. And who lives in a stable? Animals. And what do animals do in a stable? Besides eat. Yeah, they do that as well. It stinks in there. God loves us right there. Because right there, God wants us to be holy. If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember the great promise of God? John chapter 10, verse 10. I'm guessing a few of you know that verse. It's a great verse. If you're going to memorize a verse, you don't have to memorize anything to get into heaven, but John ten ten is one of them. I have come, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly more abundantly. Again, the world, the thief, the enemy, the devil, he wants you to have a miserable life. And he'll, and he'll tempt us in a billion ways and you can reflect on that. Like he, he wants us to be miserable. But God wants us to have life. And not the life that comes from having you know six Mountain Dews in a row. <laughs> but the life of knowing I'm in the presence of God right here and that God is in my presence. So even if where I'm at is a difficult place. I have life. And not just life, but the life of God. And not just life, but life more abundantly. More abundantly. The Greek word is perisson. It means more than enough. God wants to have more than more than enough. Remember Thanksgiving Day? You sat down at your Thanksgiving table. You looked at all the food, and there's like 18 trillion calories. More than enough. So many calories are falling off the table. You just breathe and you breathe in calories. God wants you and me to have more than abundant life. Because God wants us to have himself. And you can't have more than you have when you have God. That's what God wants for us. That's God's promise. It's God's desire. That's why we're here. Let it be our prayer, our desire for one another. So everyone you meet My prayer is that you might have more than enough. That's why I love the the buffet for breakfast. Wasn't it great? How many had more than three pieces of bacon? Don't raise it. Don't look. Okay, more than four, more than five. Anyways, I have six in my pocket. Uh, Like, that's what God wants for us. That's what God wants. It's God's desire. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God... Has privileged us, me, you, us, to know that truth. The abundance of his love, the abundance of his life, the abundance of his mercy, the abundance of his joy. It's all for us. um, Where's the boss? How long am I supposed to go for? Is this about it? Five more minutes? Wow, that's great. More than enough. See, my preaching is like the mercy of God, it never ends. So um, yeah, I laugh now. Anyways <laughs> I think um, maybe just like one little like warning. And it's not a warning, but it's a, a realization of um, again, the world teaches us that we can't be loved, and so to know that I am loved and to believe I am loved is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. Like, I, I need to make this act of faith that I am loved by God. And I am loved by God as I am, in the manger that I'm in, with all the stink that's around me. I am loved by God. And there's nothing I can do that will separate me from that love of God. Remember, as a kid, um, there was a TV show, they had Finnegans in it. And these Finnegan's were bad Finnegan's. They were like bank robbers. I mean, this is like going back to like the mid 1970s. We had a little dog uh, by the name of Kelly. It was a yipper, yip, 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 yip. And I would protect pek- my mother. you go at night to kiss my mother and sit there, and, um, And see, like to, like to show your affections to your mom, you had to like, pr- you know, prove yourself, I think. But anyways, <laughs> um, but on this TV show, they had this, fin- like the whole family were bad people. And uh, Finnegan, by the way, is a popular name. There's more kids at Our Lady of Grace Catholic School named Finnegan than named Kevin. Yeah, it's whatever. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> so as we were going for this walk, I, I said to Dad, um, Dad, you know there were those Finnegans, and they were bad, and, and somewhere in the point, like the, the mother of the Finnegan clan was like disappointed in her kids. And, and I said, Dad, is there anything I could do that would make you be so disappointed and not love me. And I was just thinking about this this morning and reflecting on this presentation, and I could see him like thinking, and and I'm guessing he was thinking like, this is one of those question moments that my son will think about like in 30 years, so I need to give a good answer here. And he said, no, I will always love you. You can never do anything that will disappoint me in you. And uh, I've never forgotten that. And so I, what I want to say is that we are loved by God. It's an act of faith. And so to believe that. And if you don't believe that, like I can't make you believe that. If I could make you believe that, I'd make your kids believe that. I'd write a book about it and become really rich but I can't make you. It. So it's an act of faith. So one of the things that we want to do is cultivate that little by little. When I was in high school, I went through the spell of, t- of believing that I was unlovable, that God could not love me. And it happened around this time when all of a sudden my faith began to waver. And, um, and, uh, and I remember uh, being at church one day and, and believing, coming to the conviction that I no longer believe in God. It happened like that. Like, I don't believe this anymore. And so I remember, because I went to a Catholic school, I remembered if I'm going to be a person of integrity, it means I need to stop going to this Catholic school. So I'm thinking about that. And that means I, and even more importantly, it means I'm not going to go to church on Sunday, which meant World War III is going to break out, but I can't go to church if I don't believe in God. And so I talked to this old guy, and he said, well, why don't you give God a chance? Why don't you, for um, a few minutes every day, go into the chapel here at the school, and just pray. I go, well, I don't believe in God, so I can't pray, but I'll do that. So I go into the church, I sit there, after a week or so, I realize this is the last time I'm ever going to be in a church again, and so I get up to leave because I just don't believe in God. Now, I'm Catholic, and so there's a few things that Catholics do, and, um, and one of the things that we do when we go into the church is before we go into the pew, which is, by the way, a gift of the Lutherans. So thank you, Lutherans, for the pews. The Catholics didn't have pews originally, um, but they're only 500 years old. But I go in, I go into my pew or the row, and as I'm leaving, I do what Catholics do: I genuflect. And um, in fact, this is one way, if you're with a bunch of Catholic friends, like you go to a movie theater, before you go into your row, <laughs> genuflect, and you can see who's really a Catholic. They'll genuflect <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> it's true. You don't even have to be a Catholic to do that. So, I mean, like, you'll just get these people, like, you'll sucker them into it. But, anyways, so, um, um, and I have done that a few times. But, anyway, so, um, uh, so I, I'm, I get up, I leave, I do this little act of thing that, which I don't even believe. And all of a sudden, as I am standing, this awareness that I am loved by God just overwhelmed me. It's the most profound experience of my life, to this day. That I am loved by God. In fact, a couple days later, a teacher said, "Kevin, have you fallen in love?" Like he thought, like there's like some, like chick running after me or something like that. (laughs) And uh, oh, I wish. And uh, (laughs) like it was that profound. It showed on my face. I am loved by God so in our small groups which um, are good Pete's gonna give some instruction to I really want you to be reflecting on this reality of being loved by God Um, and I know he's gonna give more instructions but before he does that um, yeah so you can share your questions however you want to do that but it's just great it's a gift it's a gift to be here with you today and looking forward to uh, playing with you later. so